Welcome to week three of uh, It Can Be Better. I hope you've been joining us in person or those of you watching online or listening online. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how certain aspects of our life we just get accustomed to, and oftentimes we don't even realize or we don't even think, like, can this be better? We just kind of get in a rut and live that way until Jesus comes along and says, hey, listen, I've been teaching this for thousands of years. If you do this or stop doing this, your life actually can be better. God, as our personal loving dad, helps us and gifts us with the tools in order to make it better, the absolute best life that we can live. And God doesn't do this to like exert power over us. He doesn't do it because we're not good enough or doing something wrong. He does it because he is our creator. He crafted us and knew us before he laid the foundations of the earth. And he has a plan and purpose for every single one of us and wants us to be the best man or woman that he has created us to be. Again, for our benefit. In week one, John talked about from John 10.10 that Jesus said, I came to give you an abundant life, life to the full, which I would bet most of us, myself included, could say most of the time, I am not living my life to the full, meaning it can get better. Last week, John taught us about relationships, that relationships can get better, and he looked at five things that Jesus did that we can do to make our relationships better. Actually, he only talked about three. The final two we talked about on our bonus content podcast this past week, uh, which I welcome you to check out. And this week, we're going to talk about something that every single one of us, no matter who you are or where you're from, every single one of us has and can make better, despite the fact that we are not in control of it. And that thing is time. Every single one of us, we are living bound by the constraints and the construct of the created thing called time. It is an unstoppable force moving forward at a pace of 60 seconds per minute, 60 minutes per hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. We cannot control the speed of it. We cannot stop it. We cannot slow it down. We cannot go backwards in it. Yet, I hear scientists are working. I don't know if they're working on it. Yeah. And yet, we are in control of our own time. Time is like, it, it's, it hurts our head to think about because we are bound within it. You know, they talk about like a fish living in a tank or fish living in the ocean. Can't, you can't like explain to them, here's what life is like in air because they're like, well, this is all I live in. This is how I stay alive. But time itself is a created thing. That's why we say the beginning of time and the end of time, meaning God himself created the passage of time and that he is outside of the passage of time. When we think about the idea of eternity, oftentimes our thought is like, that's a long time. But no, no, no. Eternity comes at the end of time, meaning eternity won't be like a long time. It'll just be existing in a moment in God's presence forever and ever. Not like, I know it hurts our head. I'm so sorry. I hope you took some ibuprofen <laughs> before you came because it, it hurts. Time is also a limited commodity, especially for us. We live our lives on earth and we have a limited amount of time before our time is up. Time itself is a beginning and end. We also are bound within that commodity. Andy Stanley, in a teaching series, I really encourage you to listen to, a lot of which I uh, drew some inspiration for today, called Breathing Room. He said, my time is limited, so that means I need to limit the way I spend my time. But today, I don't want to talk about the things we do with our time, Instead, I want to talk about the times in between the things we do with our time. And the in-between time for most of us is extremely small, if not non-existent. I noticed that almost half of the room said, on a weekend, I'd love nothing to do, probably because that doesn't happen too often. Today, we are going to talk about margin. 
margin in our time. Now, real quick clarifier, I just need to do this so that uh, we don't get off on the wrong foot. We're going to be talking about margin, not margarine. <laughs> just, I really, I want to clarify, I don't even actually, I'm not 100% sure what margarine is. It's like a weird, awkward butter's third cousin that everybody used in like between the 50s and 90s, and I, I've, I've never really heard of it again. Apparently, margarine is defined as a food product usually made from vegetable oils churned with ripened skim milk and a smooth emulsion and used like butter. I don't know about you, that sounds so gross. <laughs> I, like, you, I like that it's, it's usually made for, like we're not even sure what people are churning. To, shouldn't we know what they're making? Don't even get me started on how gross skim milk is. I will, I will spend a whole sermon t- telling you how disgusting like gross skim cow water is that you should not be drinking. It's let alone ripen, ripen skim milk. What the heck is that? Usually if milk is ripe, you throw it away. We're not churning it then to make margarine. So my first point today, margarine can be better. It's called butter. Okay. I'll pause while you write that down. Just give you a moment. Okay. All right. Anyway, moving on. Thank you. Wow. Applause for margarine. Okay. All right. So there we go. Uh, to start, I want to show you some pictures of closets. How many of you at home have a closet that looks something like one of these two photos? Yeah. Uh, I, the second one makes me laugh. There's just, you can't even see the floor. There's just shoes as far as the eye can see. So some of you are like, oh, that's a great pair. I got to find that. I wonder if that's on sale <laughs> at Amazon. Yeah, uh, here's a closet. With, both these closets have just zero margin. There is no space in these closets. In fact, as I was writing this this weekend, I sent a text out to our staff text thread and said, can you all be vulnerable and send me a picture of your closet that I can show on the weekend? So here's some pictures of our staff closets. Uh, I don't know if you want to guess whose they are. Uh, the one on the top left is kind of sad. That, that just looks like a, that's just like a broom closet that they're like, I hung a clothes here. Uh, I, we have the names, too, so you can see whose is whose. Here's whose everybody is, so if you'd like to judge. I mean, honestly, most of them are great. Steve, we, get a, we give a little grace because they just moved in a couple weeks ago, so the boxes and stuff. Also, Steve said that's the room that his wife makes him go in when she's angry. That little, we were like, what's that little room? He's like, that's where I live uh, uh, half the week. Um, also, pray for Steve and I. We both have uh, too many hats. Yeah, Steve's is on the right, I'm on the left. He's got too many, you know, Packers and Brewers. I don't know what's going on over there. But anyway, so too many hats. Uh, there's that. Now, listen, if, if you have a closet that looks like those first two pictures I showed you, that's fine. I live with somebody. That's the way that, that lives that way. That's the way that we live. That's fine. There's no problem if you live with a, a closet that has absolutely zero margin, absolutely zero extra space. But when it comes to our time, living like that is not okay. It is not the way that we were meant to live. And those of you that live a life with zero space, zero margin in your time, you know this. And the more time we spend with zero margin in our time, the more likely we are to live every single day in and out with more and more stress, anxiety, fear, depression, lack of sleep, etc. Margin is extremely important. The word margin is defined as a spare amount or measure or degree Uh, Margin is used to describe the empty space on a notebook or on highways. We use phrases like margin of error or margin of victory or profit margin to talk about the space between one thing and another. But we almost never use the term margin when it comes to our time. Why? Because we usually don't have any. We live in a world and a society where having any extra time or margin in our schedule or in our time is non-existent. 
It's completely foreign to us between work, school, parenting, sports, Netflix, school plays, volunteering, homework, social media, and having some kind of social life. The vast majority of Americans have absolutely zero margin in their schedule. We feel every second of our day from the minute we drag ourselves out of bed till the minute we collapse into it until we do it all over again. Typically, the second most common response when people say, how are you, after the auto response, I'm good, how are you? The second most auto common response is what? Busy. busy. I'm so busy. Or I'm tired because I'm so busy. It all comes back to busyness. That's all, yeah, man, so busy. A lot of stuff going on. Kids, work, we got this vacation plan. A lot of our closets are crazy. I don't even want to tell you about our closets. Super full. We say we're busy. On Tuesday of this past week, this was nuts, I was in my office, you're out when I was working on this exact teaching, and uh, I, I'm a big fan of uh, the Spotify Discover Weekly playlist. Those of you that have Spotify, it takes like all that you've listened to over the past week and then makes you a playlist of stuff you've probably never heard of. It's hit or miss, but when it hits, it's amazing. And there was a song that came on as I'm just writing, I'm just typing and researching, and all of a sudden I stopped and I'm like, what is this person saying in this song? And so I found the lyrics, and this is what was said, uh, the song stuck in my head by the artist Blue Eyes. Uh, she said, in the first chorus, the only days that I'm not stressed are the days I work myself to death. And I'm too tired to feel anything else. Even then, I'm restless in my sleep. My worries bleed into my dreams, and I wake up and do it all again. I bite my lip and twist my hair, scroll through my phone, or sit and stare at nothing, trying to chase my train of thought. Tell everybody that I'm doing okay, make it look good, and hope that one of these days it won't be a lie. It was like, what are the chances? God is in Spotify. That's my second point today, yeah. <laughs> what are the chances? A 2019 study done by H&R Block revealed that the average American has less than 30 minutes of free time per week. That's just over four minutes a day of margin for the average American. A 20-year-long study of Americans showed that 69% of people said they reported being busier than they were the previous year, and that statistic uh, continued to go up, with only 8% of people saying they were, quote, not very busy. And this lack of margin has a deep effect on all of us, no matter what category of life or season of life you might fall into. Those of you who are parents or caretakers, or legal guardians, or foster parents, you know firsthand, and you are reminded on a daily basis how little margin you live with. Between things like school, and homework, and sports, and play rehearsals, and friends, and every other activity, there is no margin. There is no in-between. And this is supposed to be normal for every parent out there. I read some tweets from parents that made me laugh this week. I wanted to share a parenting hack. There are no hacks. Everything is hard. These kids don't listen. This is your life now, Godspeed. It's a great one. And I like this one. Been feeling a little moody and run down. Googled my symptoms to see what I might have. It's kids. I have kids. Yeah, you're not alone. Every parent out there gets it. There is almost zero margin. According to child psychologist Alvin Rosenfield, uh, parents feel remiss when they're not being good parents, that they're not being good parents if their kids aren't in all kinds of activities. Children are under pressure to achieve, to be competitive. He says, I know sixth graders who are already working on their resumes so they'll have an edge when they apply for college. This is the world that we live in. It's so busy, so packed, zero margin, got to prepare, got to get ready, even when you're in sixth grade. Those of you who are single parents, you have even less margin because you are doing so much of this by yourself. In addition to everything I just described, you're also working outside the home to support your family. 
Those of you who work outside the home, whether it's full-time or part-time, very little margin, if, if any, when it comes to work. An article published in May of 2022 cited a study that showed 95% of employees feel the pressure to overwork. In 2021, the average amount of unpaid overtime jumped from 7.3 to 9.2 hours per week, unpaid overtime. And almost 20% of employees say they work more than their scheduled hours almost every single day of the week. The pressure of bosses and supervisors and managers, deadlines, promotions, making money, getting the bonus, climbing the ladder to the top, all contribute to a work life with almost zero margin. Those of you who are stay-at-home parents, my goodness, on average, a stay-at-home parent works about 2.5 full-time jobs, working an average of 14 hours a day or a 98-hour work week. For the average stay-at-home parent, they work as a housekeeper, chauffeur, personal assistant, personal chef, teacher, and life coach, which should equate to the annual salary of $608,000, a year. So I don't know who the breadwinner is, you tell me, but uh, stay-at-home parents, you should be making a lot more. And in today's society, this life of busyness is not exclusively for adults. Today's young people are experiencing a level of busyness and packed schedules unlike anything we've seen in history. A recent study found that 88% of kids and students were involved in extracurricular activities four to five days a week with almost 60% doing more than one per day. Seven out of 10 teens in the U.S. between the ages of 13 and 17 have named anxiety or depression as a major problem among their peers in the community. 75% of high school students and half of middle schoolers describe themselves as often or always feeling stressed by schoolwork. 40% of college students in the U.S. admit to feeling inadequately rested five out of the seven days a week. According to a five-year study by Jean Twenge, a psychology professor at San Diego State University, uh, she says, today's adolescents and teens are overtaxed and overburdened and stressed to a degree that was once only seen in child psychiatric patients. From the amount of schoolwork to the pressure of good grades and the future, the number of extracurricular activities, plus things like dating, hormones, puberty, social media, and everything else, it is no wonder that today's youth are stretched to the max. Now, uh, to be clear, there's nothing innately wrong with any of the things or the categories that I just read. In fact, almost every single one of them is very biblical when it comes to like working hard, when it comes to being intentional parents, intentional students, when it comes to you know, spending time diligently with our family, with friends, in community, doing things, exploring our gifts, exploring what God has given us to enjoy this life. Nothing innately bad about any of those things, some of which we'll, we'll talk about later in the series. But when all of those things come together and give us absolutely zero margin, then there's a problem. And a big part of the problem is that in our culture... Having zero margin is not only normal, it is seen as a good thing. Bridget Schultz, in her 2000 book, Overwhelmed, writes about the trend of being so busy all the time. She says, so much do we value busyness. Researchers have found a human aversion to idleness and a need for, quote, justifiable busyness. She says, in our society, we equate a sense of busyness with worth. If we are busy... We must be doing something right. But busyness is more than an annoying, an annoying truth of modern life. It has emerged as a significant health concern, 
And according to psychiatrist Joseph Benu, he sees patients suffering from so much overscheduling that they cannot sleep, they cannot think, and they have no time for important activities. We are doing so much that we are not enjoying the things that we're doing. And having zero margin goes far beyond mental stress or physical stress or lack of sleep or just not being able to plan anything because our schedule is so full. It goes beyond having a lack of time for family or friends or being alone. Busyness can have a significantly negative effect on our soul. One of my favorite uh, pastors and authors, uh, John Orberg, a long time ago, was talking to a mentor of his named Dallas Willard, who's a, a theologian and professor who's since passed away. But John was talking to Dallas, and he said, what do I need to do to be spiritually healthy? And after a long pause, Dallas Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. John said, he said, I didn't pause. I said, that's a good one. What else is there? <laughs> Dallas's answer, there is nothing else. And in his book, Soul Keeping, John Ortberg says, hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Hurry is the great enemy of your spiritual life. In fact, one of the Hebrew words in Scripture that's translated as busy, the Hebrew word anah, is the same word that can be translated to afflict. So even according to Scripture, being too busy can be an affliction on your soul. Again, I'm not talking about what it means to work hard, intentional activities, seasons that might be busier than others. That's all part of life. Again, many of that, much of that is biblical, and some of it we'll talk about next week. But living a life of busyness with zero margin can be, and I'd argue always is, harmful to our very spirits. And many of you in this room, many of you watching or listening right now, can identify with that. Some of you right now in this moment can identify that the lack of margin in your life has been wearing and tearing down your very spirit and your soul. And so as we transition, I want, to, I want you to hear me say this. It can be better. Your life of busyness can be better. You living every day with a complete lack of margin or space to think or breathe or eat can be better. It doesn't have to be like this. You don't have to live like this. As much as culture says it's normal, as much as culture says you should, as much as you think you should, God teaches us something very different. From the very beginning of time, the thing that God himself created, God taught us about the power of margin, the value of margin in our time. God has given us wisdom on how to combat this life of stress and anxiety and busyness, and God calls it rest, and it's something so deeply core to how we were created that if we don't live a life with rest, it will continue to wear and tear on our very spirits. Not only did God tell us and teach us about this, God exampled it. After God completed his entire creation, he set aside one entire segment, Bible calls it a day, could have been 24 hours, could have been an indeterminable amount of time. One entire segment that the previous six he spent working to simply rest. 
Before we read about Adam and Eve and Noah and Moses and Jesus, within the first few pages of Scripture, we see God demonstrating what it looks like to live with margin. Genesis 2, very first verse. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all work of creation. Uh, The Hebrew word used here is the word Shabbat, which is where the uh, Jewish people get the word Shabbat, translated Sabbath, and it simply means to cease, to stop, to breathe, to rest, to have margin, to have nothing, to have just space. Even in a moment like this, for those of you who made the time to come or tune in, I wonder if sometimes this hour on Sundays is your only time to stop and breathe and rest. And while that's so incredibly important, it should not be your only hour of the week. One of the most important elements to Sabbath that we cannot miss, that's so huge in the life of God's people, the Jewish people who follow him, is that according to Scripture, Rest comes first. You'll notice in the poem of Genesis 1 and 2 where Moses writes about God's creation, each day is described as there being an evening and a morning. He says it's for every day. There was evening and there was morning on the first day, evening and there was morning on the second day, all through every single day. Doesn't seem like a big deal, but the order of the words is is so interesting and extremely powerful. Because of this, God's people begin their day at sundown. The Jewish people, every single day begins in the evening, not the morning. So for a Jew, their Sabbath begins Friday evening and concludes Saturday evening. This means that for a Jew, every single day begins with what? Rest. They begin every single day with rest. Rest for them is not like collapsing into bed, exhausted, barely made it there, you know, still left so much stuff undone that's going to be swirling through our brain, not going to be able to sleep very well. For a Jew, according to what they read in Scripture, the way that God taught us to live, they begin with margin. They begin with rest. It's also the way that God taught us to give. Those of you who, who give a tithe or 10%, he said, give your first 10% to God. He says, hey, give your first 10% of your time to God, to yourself, to your family. It's not saying work is less important, but when we begin our lives prioritizing rest and margin, it's a big deal. What's interesting is God not only applies this concept of rest to people, he actually applies this concept of rest to the literal planet Earth, his creation. This is from Leviticus 25 as he's teaching his people the life he wants them to live. Uh, While Moses was on Mount Sinai, the Lord said to him, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. When you have entered the land I'm giving you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath rest before the Lord every seventh year. For six years, you may plant your fields and prune your vineyards and harvest your crops, but during the seventh year, the land must have a Sabbath year of complete rest. It is the Lord's Sabbath. Do not plant your fields or prune your vineyards during that year, and don't store, and don't store away crops that grow on their own or gather the grapes from the unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest, but you may eat whatever the land produces on its own during its Sabbath. So if God instructs the dirt 
to take some time off, I would think it's also much more important for his children, most precious creation, the masterpiece, which is us. Jesus demonstrated this time and time again. As busy as he was, as in demand as he was, Jesus intentionally chose margin a whole lot. He chose margin with his closest friends. Mark 6.30 says, The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told them all that they had done and taught. And Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't have time to eat. How many of you don't have time to eat these days? So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. Jesus also did this by himself. Matthew 13, as soon as Jesus heard the news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Luke 5, despite Jesus' instructions, uh, he was telling people not to spread the news because he needed some space, but despite that, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. And so, I want to conclude our time by talking about a few tangible things we can do to make it better. A few tangible things we can do, two tangible things we can do, and two questions that I'd like you to ask yourself, uh, ideally on the drive home today, to hopefully help us create more margin. But first, I want to address something that you might be thinking right now. This is, probably, this is probably the main thing in the back of your head, maybe in the forefront of your mind, when it comes to uh, uh, living a life with more margin. The biggest response we might tend to think is, yeah, but I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. Some call it FOMO, which stands for fear of missing out. And let me just say right off the bat, any like, life lesson that we live that starts with the word fear, not going to lead to good things. Fear is not from the Lord. We think that if we don't do all the things, we don't work all the hours, we don't sign up for all the sports, we don't sign the kids up for all the activities, then we'll miss it. We'll miss the promotion, we'll miss the raise, we'll miss the money, the good grade, the scholarship, the dream school, the accomplishment, the experience, the memory, the inside joke. Or you might not even be able to define it, you're just like, but I don't want to miss it. I don't even know what it is, but if I don't do all the stuff and say yes to all the things, I will miss it and I don't want to miss it. And to that, I read you these words of Jesus, Matthew 6. So don't worry. Don't have FOMO about things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. Live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. What came first to a Jew? Rest. Seek first God's kingdom. The key to creating margin in our life is trusting our Heavenly Father. Now, you think about the ancient culture, the ancient times, the people that God was telling to take a day off. It's very different from us. Back in those days, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. If you didn't work, you might not have clothing. If you didn't work, if you didn't devote yourself, things didn't happen that supported life. If you didn't plant crops for a whole year, what if you don't have enough? 
Lord, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to starve. I don't want to let my family down. God says, trust me. And some of you might be in that same category when it comes to your work, when it comes to your home, when it comes to your life. You think, gosh, if we take a whole day off, if we take this chunk off, if we give that up, if we give that up, I mean, what's going to happen? And God says, trust me. This isn't an excuse to be lazy or apathetic or neglect what's important, but if we are living a life with zero margin, practicing rest is an act of worship and an act of trust. In fact, we live in a world unlike the ancient times where we can take a day off and still have money in the bank. We can take a day off and still have food in the pantry. And yet still, it requires trust. So with that, here are a couple practical tips. I just want to encourage you. Again, two practical things uh, for you to consider and then two questions to ask yourself. The first one is this. There is power in saying no. We don't want to say it. It's really hard for some of us to say it. But there is so much power. There is honor in saying no. Because when you say no to something now, you're saying yes to something later. And we tend to think, if I say no to this, I'll miss it. Yeah, well, sometimes if you've preserved margin or if you already feel like your schedule's packed too much or you've set up boundaries already or the kids are already doing that, you know, just say, you know what? Hey, no, I, I, I can't do that. I can't commit to that. There's a lot of power. There's a lot of honor in saying no. It's okay to say no. Except if I ask you for something, then try to figure it out, you know. But otherwise, it's okay to say no. Second thing, this is an interesting one. Uh, What would it look like for you to schedule margin? I do this all the time. Look at my calendar, I take like a chunk, and I set aside and say, this this is reserved for margin. So there's nothing there. And if somebody asks me to do something, I usually just, you know, hey, I have a previous commitment. I'm so sorry, I I can't make that work. Schedule margin, schedule time off. This is where the whole idea of Sabbath comes from, to say, you know, one day a week. Maybe that's not possible for you. I get that. Sometimes people have like two half days. Sometimes it's like two hours every day. You know, it might be very different for you. The important thing is margin and rest. But I remember the first like big job I ever had was at Best Buy when I was in high school and college. Great job. Loved working at Best Buy. But I remember in my interview, and this was unheard of. This was not okay, but I just felt really like clear in my spirit that I didn't want to work Sundays, which in retail, you're like, well, thanks for coming in. We'll see you never. Um, but I said, I said in my interview, I was like, listen, I'm available so much every other day of the week, uh, I can't work Sundays. I'd like, to, I'd like to take Sundays off. And of course, they were like, well, that's not great. That's the weekend. That's retail. You know, I was like, yeah, I understand. Uh, you know, but, that's, but they did. They honored that. They said, all right, we'll give you Sundays off. There, of course, were a couple Sundays throughout you know, my employment there that I did work, but, you know, holidays or all hands on deck, and you know, I wanted to honor that, of course. But I'll never forget, my uh, spirit in working there was so much different than all of the other employees who were like, gosh, I've been here nine days in a row, or I got called in, or yeah, I worked all weekend, then I got to come and open to Monday. And, and I always came in like geared up, ready to go, because I had a whole day of rest off where like coming in Monday or Tuesday, I was ready to go. Even like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if I was a little bit tired, I go, hey, I got a day of rest coming. I'm going to give it my all here because I know I got this margin coming. So I scheduled margin from that job. They didn't allow me to do that here. That was weird. <laughs> should, talk to, should talk to John about that. Anyway. All right. Two questions I want you to consider. What do you need to add And what do you need to subtract? You need to add time alone. You need to add boundaries for work or school or home that you stick to. 
You need to add a day off, a consistent time with family, consistent time for prayer, consistent time for nothing, consistent time alone. And if you're going to add something, you're probably going to need to distract, uh, subtract something. It might be kids' activities. It might be your activities. It might be a person. It might be a relationship, not that they're a bad person. We're not saying anything bad about this person, but there might be a relationship where they are sucking all of the margin and extra time that you have up. And so you might need to step away from a person or a group of people or a commitment, maybe for a season, maybe forever, because they are just killing your margin. It might be subtracting everything from one whole day. That you come to Harlan on Sundays, and then from here to 8 a.m. tomorrow morning, there's nothing. What do you need to add? What do you need to uh, subtract? Um, I'm going to close with a prayer uh, that I would like to read over you, and uh, then Jake's going to come tell us about a couple things going on at Heartland. Uh, This is actually something, um, every Wednesday we have a staff meeting, and sometimes we do like calendar updates, sometimes we do celebrations of stuff, and then once a month we have a staff chapel where we just kind of worship together, dive into scripture together. And this past week, Ashley had us read some different liturgies, um, like different worship prayers written, and they all were kind of categorized, and there was one that was a liturgy for those who are too busy. And I'm like, Ash, can I steal this? And she said no. And I was like, too bad. No, she said yeah. I was stealing. So I'm going to read you a portion of this liturgical prayer for those who are too busy. I encourage you. I, I'm going to read it over you as a prayer. But if you want to like keep your eye open and read it, if you want to pull out your phone and take a picture of it, that's great. That's totally fine. I don't think God's going to be annoyed at that. But I'm going to close with this prayer. <clears throat> a liturgy for those who are too busy. Oh, Lord, when I cannot seem to slow the pace of my life, When each day seems to outrun me and every moment bleeds into the next, would you give me the wisdom to know what to keep and what to let go? I'm tempted to double down on control, to salvage every shred of time, losing myself in a tangled web of frenetic anxiety, struggling to differentiate between what is essential and what is not. But may I not be afraid to pause and rest, trusting that what needs to get done will get done. May I enjoy the freedom of being undistracted and listen to your reassuring voice. May I breathe deeply of your love and be refreshed as I take on the posture of a child, of an unhurried daughter or son. May I learn from your gentle and lowly heart and may my burdens be lightened as I delight in your way. Here is my time, Lord. I offer it to you, not as a display of my worth, but as an outpouring of my love. Heavenly Father, in this moment, God, I pray that your spirit would speak and move. God, what do we need to say no to? Where do we need to schedule margin? What do we need to add? What do we need to subtract? God, I pray this would be a marked moment for so many of us in this room, watching, listening online that moving forward from this day forward, we would begin living a life of rest and margin, and we would place that first. We would seek first your kingdom, and in your kingdom, margin comes first. That we would sacrifice, surrender our time to you, and we would trust you with the rest, and God, you are always faithful, you are always sovereign. Lord, thanks for this moment. 
to take a breath. And for some of us, maybe to experience a sense of space and margin for the first time in a long time. But this, Lord, this is the way that we are created to live. Yes, to work and study diligently. Yes, to be intentional as a parent or student or employer or employee. But your spirit fills us in the margin. And I pray, God, you would teach us how to do that. I pray this all in your name. Amen.